It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics is coming up in just a little bit, uh, coming up at the uh, for the second and third hour for uh, two hours of commentary and analysis at our weekly roundtable called Armchair Politics, featuring our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton this week. And uh, that's coming up in uh, just about an hour or so. But in the meantime, we're going to start out with uh, something a little different. I I had originally scheduled um, an interview and and somehow it got cobbled up as they do from time to time. Uh, I was going to to, uh, visit with Jeffrey Kramis, who is the author 
um, of several books about leadership, but his newest is called The Joe Biden Way. Uh, what's the rest of the title? How to Become a Bold and Empathetic Leader. But unfortunately, we're going to have to reschedule that one. In the meantime, we're going to um, visit with uh, a National Geographic uh, contributor, uh, Valerie Tripp, about the Izzy Newton series, The Smart Squad. And uh, it's, it's interesting and fun stuff. So we'll... Uh, We'll have that coming up this first hour, and uh, then join us for commentary and analysis about the headlines in the worlds of politics and current events with Armchair Politics. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's my guest now. That Sorry about that pause there, folks. This is, in fact, the guest I was hoping to talk with this first hour on the show this morning. He joins me by phone, author of The Joe Biden Way, How to Become a Bold and Empathet uh, Empathetic Leader. Uh, his name is Jeffrey Creams. He joins me by phone. Hi, Jeffrey. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um yeah, I was just about to shift gears because I, I was expecting your call, and I wasn't sure if you were calling me or I was calling you. Oh, and, uh, I thought you were calling. That's all right. Well, but we we got together, which is great. Um, I wanted to, I want to start out talking about the role of empathy in leadership. We don't. That's not the first thing we think of when you say the word leader is is empathy. Is compassion in fashion anymore? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> if, if it's not in fashion, it should be, because, you know, o over the years, we've seen the best leaders, the best presidents, presidents like Franklin Roosevelt, really have a very high degree of empathy. And Joe Biden, you know, who lost almost his entire family, uh, in 1972, in a car crash, he lost his wife and he lost his daughter. Um, he is a man of great compassion, great empathy, and he has, um, I believe, he's put many people um, at ease to some extent about what's happening in our political lives. I mean, we've had five years of great chaos, so this is certainly a welcome change. But empathy has proven to be a decisive um, trait in leaders. And there have been studies, uh, and I talk about some in, in the book, about uh, how empathy can really help a leader be perceived as much stronger if he feels people's pain. The old Bill Clinton quote. Right, exactly. <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, right. But let me ask you, when you say the last five years and, and talk about chaos, 
it it almost sounds like you're suggesting that Donald Trump might be at the root of that, and yet Barack Obama, in a in a speech uh, during the last presidential election, he was out stumping for Biden, I guess, and he said that that Trump wasn't the cause of the chaos; he was the result of it. Yes, you, you, uh, you could put it another way. Uh, the Republican Party didn't create Donald Trump, and Donald Trump didn't create the Republican Party. Uh, um, but John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House, he talks about how so much of what we saw and what we see in our political lives started in the, in the early teens, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, with the Freedom Caucus. And uh, so we saw the roots, but I believe that the Republican Party now is in a, such a state of disrepair. And you have Joe Biden, who has said numerous times that our nation depends on a, a really a healthy two-party system, but we have one party that doesn't seem to stand for much. I mean, if you ask someone um, in the Republican Party, you know, what they stand for, I mean, you know, they call Mitch McConnell the obstructionist in chief. Well, so typically their, their response is yeah. typically less government and lower taxes. Less government and lower taxes. Well, yes, they did that. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump in 2017, with his Tax Cut Act, he did lower taxes. But he lowered taxes mostly for the top 5%. And, and the difference between incomes, between the low and middle income classes and the upper classes who are heavily invested in the stock market, for, for instance, has never been greater. In fact, during the COVID, uh, um, during COVID now, this is about two years, we have seen that schism expand so that the lower and middle income classes have never been more, you know, more at a disadvantage. So Biden comes in and with two bills already, he gets over three trillion, with the T, trillion dollars of spending bills passed with tax cuts, but not for the top one or two or three, five percent, but for the lower classes and for people of color who have been largely forgotten. And, you know, in, in laying that out, Jeffrey, it, it, it suggests that somehow um, compassion strengthens leadership and that 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 all emanates from the left we, we well we see that now i mean it's, it's not true throughout history per se but right now i mean there's no question about it. the democrats are trying to help people they're trying to keep a, as level a playing field as possible for in voting rights, which is, of course, a, a, a great uh, issue now. 
But yes, we see the compassion on the left. We don't see it on the right. Uh, you know, this last, you know, what President Biden, and I lay this out step by step in the Joe Biden way, what he's trying to do with three bills, just three bills, get his entire economic um, legislation um, passed in three bills. And he's got two out of three. And the Build Back Better plan, which would really help, which would be the most helpful for the lower classes, uh, that's passed the House and is now um, having some real challenges in, in the Senate. Is it likely to be as um, universally felt as the New Deal? Well, I think you might need more uh, more time. I think over, in some years, if he gets all three bills passed, the third bill passed, I think it might not be felt immediately, although a lot of it will be, but like child uh, tax credits. But the New Deal uh, was a huge um, help because the economy was so much more um, in trouble in, you know, in 1935 when FDR passed the Social Security Act. I mean, you had an economy that was just awful. I mean, obviously we had the 1929 crash and then we had the Depression years. And we haven't had a, a depression, thank goodness, since then. 2007, 2008 was the Great Recession. But even with COVID, we've recovered so much because I believe, because of what Biden did, especially how within the first two and a half months he got his $1.9 trillion uh, COVID package passed. And that was a great help to the economy and we're seeing it pay dividends now. Really, I mean, it's, a, it's quite amazing after shutting down our economy that we have unemployment only at just four percent. So I think it will be felt and uh, immediately. Um, but the the media, and this there was there was a op-ed yesterday in the Washington Post. The media doesn't give Biden credit, and I, it's it's a great mystery. I don't know why. They actually give uh, worse coverage to Biden than they did to Trump, mainstream media even. And it's almost inexplicable to me. I mean, it's, it's a source of frustration because he's out there every day trying to help. And, he, you know, his approval numbers are not good. And he's taking it on the chin, even though he's already passed over $3 trillion dollars of spending bills for, for people. Jeffrey, I want to dig into that some more, and I want to talk some more about some of the uh, examples of leadership that you lay out in the book. Um, but I have a break coming up here. Jeffrey, can you sure. stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Tom, for you, anything. <laughs> My guest is uh, Jeffrey Krames. He is the author of a new book called The Joe Biden Way, How to Become a Bold and Empathetic Leader. And we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more right after this. 
And now I dare everybody, it's me, Tigger, T-I-double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. From Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with a leadership expert who uh, has spent decades in uh, business book publishing and writing. He is the author of nine leadership books, several of which were national and international bestsellers. His new book, The Joe Biden Way, How to Become a Bold and Empathetic Leader. And uh, he joins me by phone. Uh, Jeffrey Cranes. Jeffrey, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No, not at all. My gosh, I heard all the luminaries that go on your program. <laughs> I said, well, why would you have me, for God's sake? And by the way, I want to let you know that much of the book was written in Michigan. Really? How did yes, that, sir. How did, I, how did that well, happen? I, well, I live in, you know, I live in, uh, in the suburb of Illinois, and, um, my, and my sons love to fish. And we, we, we took, I think, about six to eight trips to Zorgatuck, South Haven, sort of that area. Oh, gotcha. And, uh, and that's where I, I wrote the book in the log cabin. And now, did you that. sail across the lake, or did you drive around? <laughs> well, 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 I drove around, unfortunately, because uh, we, there were no boats at the time. But in any event, uh, it's such a pleasure to be with you. I mean, you have such great people on, like Dan Kildee and... Debbie Stabenow, and uh, I'm just uh, very uh, grateful to be with you, Tom. Go ahead. Well, and this is a, a wonderful topic. And just before the break, Jeffrey, you were talking about how mainstream media has not given Joe Biden credit for the victories he's had, which you've referred to as, you know, raising $3 trillion in economic programming, basically in the first year or so of his presidency. And I can't help thinking that there's a bit of a comparison to be made in in the first months of the um, Obama administration when Joe Biden served as vice president and, and they're uh, uh, bringing up health care and bringing health care about, which, as we all remember, Joe Biden referred to as a big effing deal in an open right. gaffe. Um, right. But, but is there a comparison to be made about getting the hard stuff done first? Well, in, you have to get the hard, the hard stuff passed um, first because the, uh, the, the midterm elections are right around the corner. Yeah, I was going to ask about, about, the, uh, about in both cases there was a clear Democratic majority, and, well, and, yeah. and that may not hold through the midterms. Well, 70% of the time, the party in power 
loses control of one or both chambers of Congress. Right. And right now, the wisdom is, uh, and it certainly looks that way, like it's very likely that the House will flip. Uh, I'm not sure about the Senate. But this is, this is sort of what the leadership of Joe Biden is all about. He is someone who f- faces reality. And he knows, and he knew coming in, that he had to get things passed in the first year. And that's why these three bills became the cornerstone of his domestic agenda. But really, he's so focused on all of on getting all of this passed while he still has a majority. But Tom, the difference between say a a, a Biden or an LBJ or an FDR is we got a fifty-fifty Senate, and then you have two, two Democratic senators who uh, Manchin and Cinema, who seems to always buck uh, Biden at every turn but still he has a 50 50 uh senate with with uh, vice president harris breaking any tie he only has about three four five seats extra in 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 the house so it's quite amazing actually that he got these two bills passed the second one was bipartisan 69 senators voted for the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure package which is incredible, including Mitch McConnell, who said he would never, ever do anything to help Joe Biden. But, you know, this Joe Biden, you know, he's a clever man. He has never said really a negative word about Republicans. He always calls them my friends, and he doesn't mean it. In, uh, he, he really does mean it. That they're his yeah, friends. he's not being pejorative. He, he really... It does genuinely like working across the aisle, you know, which was part of the reason he had such a such a close friendship with uh, John McCain. Right, and, and and even Mitch McConnell, who is the obstructionist in chief, the, these two men have an understanding. It's not necessarily helpful to Biden, but you know, Mitch McConnell was the only Republican senator to attend Joe Biden's son Bo's funeral um, out of great respect. So Biden is, is, is beloved, which is another reason why I can't understand why he doesn't get credit. And the biggest thing I can't understand about, about him not getting credit revolves around COVID. When he came in, there were only 50,000 shots administered in arms, and, and it was because it was relatively new. Well, but it was brand there, new. I, you know, the, the vaccine right. didn't start coming out until December, you know, even, right. even after the election. And so when he was sworn in in January, it, had, it was still being shipped around the country to get to people. Well, that's true. That is true. But unfortunately, his predecessor uh, um, was not... A, what we call a, a real, a genuine, authentic leader. He was what Peter Drucker, the father of management, would call a misleader. Uh, now, a misleader is somebody who doesn't actually lead very effectively. He never w- w- wanted to wear a mask. It was only like one time on camera he, maybe he, w- he wore a mask. So he didn't model good behavior. And even when he got his vaccine, 
not only did he not film it or take a picture of it, him and his wife, uh, he, he just never mentioned it. It would have helped so much because, you know, we have 60 to 70 million Americans who haven't gotten their vaccine, even one dose of a vaccine. And most of those people are Republicans who believe, and 70% of Republicans believe, that Joe Biden didn't win the election. So we're dealing in an atmosphere where the truth or mistruths are weaponized and monetized. The more you negative you are against the Democrats and Biden, it seems the richer your coffers. So this is what Biden is facing. Well, one, facing of the, a, one of the things that you bring up, Jeffrey, is... Uh, uh, the role that, that Biden's experience plays in his presidency, all those years in the Senate, serving two terms as vice president. He knows how things work in Washington. And, um, it, you know, while, while Trump was going on and on about draining the swamp, um, you know, I, I, I think Joe Biden does a good job of uh, navigating the so-called swamp but of course i also have a friend that refers to the swamp as being made up of a lot of government servants who you know really mean well and make the trains run on time but when we talk about his experience how important is experience in leadership or is leadership a, a natural gift that some people have and some people don't I believe that leaders are not born. I mean, there are some what I call naturals. But, uh, and Joe Biden was a charismatic figure from, you know, back when he first got elected in 1972, winning, you know, uh, an election that he was expected to lose. He was only 29 years old at the time. But experience is so important, Tom. And Joe Biden, with his 36 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, has more experience than his three predecessors combined times two. That's how much more experience. Now, in the book, I bring in other business books and other leaders, um, thought leaders, like Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote a book called Outliers, that sort of proved you'd need about 10,000 hours of what he called deliberate practice, meaning basically on-the-job training, if you will, to be really exceptional at anything. And I believe a less experienced hand would not have gotten these bills passed the way Joe Biden has. I mean, he has these walked a razor's edge to get all of these things done. And now, by the way, going back to the, the, uh, the COVID experience, you know, yes, it was relatively new back when he took over, but within, within something like 11 weeks, he got 75% of all people 65 and over vaccinated. Now we have a half a billion shots in arms, half a billion. And I think it's frustrating to... Mr. Biden, that he can't get the rest, but uh, he he's certainly uh, working at it, and he certainly has a great medical team. He surrounded himself 
with a great te team of people in many different, in, in all areas. This is the most diverse, I think the most exceptional cabinet we've seen in a very long time. One thing I want to talk about um, is a reference you make to uh, the a, a quote leadership blind spot that right. led to the yeah. botched uh, U.S. exit from Afghanistan, which you know both of his predecessors had talked about wanting to do to pull troops out of Afghanistan. With all of his experience. How was that, how was that just not handled smoother? Well, you know that's a, it's an excellent question. Um, you know, I mean, it could be he was so focused on his domestic agenda that possibly he took his eye off the ball. I mean, that's possible. But you know, I, he does have a leadership blind spot, and it's not a big one. But you know. Often you have to take responsibility when things go wrong. You know, moving, leaving Afghanistan, many, many, many experts think was the right thing. I do too. But the way it was handled, uh, you know, he just didn't didn't take every precaution. He didn't foresee the uh, country and Kabul falling as quickly as it did. Um, he didn't expect that the Afghans would lay down their weapons just like that, and, the, and in a matter of days or a couple of weeks, the entire country would fall to the Taliban. He just didn't foresee it. And uh, it's on him, the exit of Afghanistan's on him. But history. And he gets, think, the, he gets the credit yeah. for that, Jeffrey, <laughs> and, well, the, and not the other yeah. things. You're right. He gets the credit. He gets the credit for that. <laughs> or I guess I should thing. say the blame. He never gets the credit, well, but he often gets the blame. Well, you know, you know, Tom. That's kind of in the job description of a president. It really. is. It is. You know, but still, I am still sort of dumbfounded because I mean, I have voted for for, for candidates in both parties. But when Joe Biden won, I thought it was such an achievement. I mean, you know, Mr. Trump was an incumbent, and it wasn't going to be an easy race. He knew it. I don't think anyone else could have beaten Trump, which is, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book in the first place, because I said to myself, how did he do it? I mean, what, what was it? And a lot of it had to do with his experience. You know, 50, before he came into office, 15 vice presidents in the history of this country became presidents. So 15 out of 45, one-third. And, and the people who were vice presidents first, who had that experience, seemed to do the, the best job. If you, in fact, if you look at Mount Rushmore, half of Mount Rushmore, uh, two, two presidents there, Teddy Roosevelt and Thomas Jefferson, were both vice presidents before becoming presidents. So, and of course, Lyndon Baines Johnson was the same. So I, I believe that history will judge Mr. Biden, President Biden, very well if he keeps this up, um, despite what we see in our everyday media. Let me um, 
and, and I, I just just wanted to comment on one thing. You mentioned LBJ a couple of times, and I just wanted to say there are some real comparisons to be made between Joe Biden and um, LBJ because of the length of time that they served in the Senate, even prior to becoming vice president and then president. Um, it, it, and it speaks to that issue of experience going into the office, knowing how things work. But I want to ask you about some of the, what, what some of the pillars of leadership are. Um, are they mostly just common sense things that should be more common than they are? Well, co- common sense always plays a role. But there are leadership lessons, and this book is a book of leadership lessons of, of um, Joe Biden. Um, things like, for instance, setting one priority is the first chapter of the book. You know, uh, Peter Drucker, who I mentioned before, who I, was, who I interviewed, I was probably the last person to interview Peter Drucker, uh, the father of, of modern management, and he said... He never knew a chief executive who could focus on more than one priority at a time. And for Joe Biden coming in, the priority was clear as anything, and it was COVID. So he worked on on getting the shots in arms and the COVID relief package of almost $2 trillion. Um, Building on strengths. That's a very important thing, Tom. Strengths. You know, most people think, that the key to leadership or the key to success is getting rid of sort of kind of your weaknesses. But weaknesses, unless they are what we call fatal flaws, you know, things like being dishonest, but weaknesses are not to be focused upon. The key research shows, and I have the research in the book and explain step by step, research shows that is, you could build on just a couple of strengths. And that's why I called President Biden bold and empathic. Those are two great uh, leadership qualities. He is obviously empathetic, but he's been bold. I mean, I mean we're talking trillions when, you know, every, every other president before him, except his direct predecessor, talked in, in billions. He's talking in trillions. So there are leadership lessons that are um, that can be learned leadership can be learned i don't believe leaders are born i I believe leaders are made over time well a lot of democrats jeffrey tiptoe around when it comes to spending money out of fear of being painted a tax and spend liberal and uh and and (laughs) joe biden just kind of blew through all that and just said these are the things that we need to do Right. That's right. And, and he, he doesn't care about, being, about labels. He doesn't care about name-calling. He, he just plows right through, and he's so focused. For instance, take the infrastructure package we're talking about. There was the, 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 the first part got passed. Now, you know, even before, long before that was passed, he set up a war room in the White House, and with as many as 19 or 20 people actually there at the board to sketch out how are we going to get this done, who do we need, 
And he goes right into the trenches. He calls Mansion and he calls Cinema many times. And with that first $1.9 trillion package, I remember very clearly that day when it was a weekend and it looked like it was going to, it could fail because of Mansion. And somehow Joe Biden was persuasive enough, which is another very important leadership trait of a leader to be persuasive. And he got that bill passed. So he doesn't care about the labels. In fact, I think actually our politics now uh, sort of doesn't really talk much about, um, you know, suspending liberals. I, I, I think we're in a new phase in the new political arena um, be, because of the state of um, the Republican Party and the the great um, schism in our country between left and right. I mean, it shouldn't be left and right, Tom. It should be right and wrong, really. I mean, if, if a Republican president was doing what Biden has done, and focused on what, but I, I would be all, I would root for him or her. But, but sadly, we don't have that. Well, Jeffrey, we, we've just got a couple of minutes left, and I always want to give guests an opportunity. This is a fascinating conversation, and I'm, I'm having a good time talking with you. I feel like we could talk all afternoon, and maybe someday we'll get it. Tom, I'm always here for you, for God's sake. Put me on every, once a week, I'm with you. Call me. Well, you know what? I, I might just put you on the list to sit third chair for armchair politics from time to time. We'll have to get some That'll emails be great. going back and forth. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website, Jeffrey? Um, uh, I, I, my website is down, uh, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, but if people want to find out, um, about me, um, all they need to do is they can, first of all, they can buy the Joe Biden way through any great bookstore or amazon.com ha has it right now. You can get it in the day if you order it. Um, and if people want to email me, I get emails all the time and I try to answer them all at jkliterary at comcast.net. Well, Jeffrey, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with me this morning, and uh, we'll have to get some emails going back and forth and have you uh, join the show from time to time. Tom, I'm here at your service, sir. You are a titan in the industry, and I want to be on the titan show. <laughs> Well, that's, I, I, that's that's high praise, Jeffrey, and I appreciate it very much. Um, well, Dan Kildee said you're the best, so you're the best. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, take care and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been a real privilege. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Jeffrey Krams is uh, a leadership expert who has spent decades in business book publishing and writing, he's the author of nine leadership books, several of which were national and international bestsellers. His new book is The Joe Biden Way, How to Become a Bold and Empathetic 
Leader, which just came out uh, this month, uh, December of 2021. We're going to take a uh, short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, our voices radio, 92.1 LPFM Flint, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my friend Paul Herring. And uh, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources.
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Summer Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Senator, it is our pleasure to speak with you here tonight. As Republican Minority Leader in the Senate, your views on affairs of state and on the political scene are always in demand. Senator, what's new? Well, if I gave you a direct answer, it would be almost a prejudgment of an issue on which testimony is still to be taken. (laughs) Senator, your political flamboyance is such that when coupled with your flowery oratory, there are those among the opposing party who say that you are actually nothing but a buffoon. I do not disagree. (laughs) Senator, I wonder if we can get some insight on your colorful career. I know of no reason why we shouldn't. Well, then, why did you decide to become a United States Senator? Because that was my first job after I got out of high school. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Van Voorhees. Now, Senator, not to bring up a sore point, but you did nominate Mr. Goldwater in Chicago, did you not? So to speak. <laughs> Senator, are you denying it? I think so. <laughs> well, regardless... What do you think Mr. Goldwater and Mr. Miller should do during the coming years? I think they can very usefully get a lot of indoctrination by going to any party county headquarters, stuffing envelopes, getting to see people, develop a poise uh, as they see candidates and others come in, uh, run errands and so forth, familiarize themselves with party organization and machinery, and then it becomes part of their nature and it makes for uh, a deftness in the political field. Mr. Senator, do you think the Republican Party will stage a comeback in 1968? I know of no reason why it should. Uh, well, in your own mind, do you see a candidate emerging for 1968? No, I don't. <laughs> well, then where do you think the Republican candidate will come from in 1968? Out of the woodwork. <laughs> Senator, how are the Democrats reacting to the news that Mr. Goldwater may step down as head of the Republican Party? They resent it, and they resent it bitterly. Continue the questioning now with Mr. St. Ledger. Senator, there's a move afoot to curtail the filibuster. I think I can say this. Excuse me, are my eyes deceiving me, or is that a naked girl sitting up there on the Senate balcony? 
I think one can say reasonably that this has occupied the attention of the Senate since the 9th of January. <laughs> Looking back, Senator, over your career, has there been one outstanding statement that you've made to your colleagues in your many years in the Senate? There has been. May I ask what it was? Little Tom Thumb pulled out a plum, as you know. you were conspicuous by your absence at the Washington Senator's opening game this year, an event which normally attracts the political leaders of both parties. Why was that? First, I had not been invited. Secondly, I, there was no hint that I would be invited. We, we understand. Third, I was not invited by anybody. <laughs> Fourth, I would not go if I was invited. No, we, we understand. There were two reasons why I wouldn't go. It wasn't an important question, sir. My Senate duties here are taxing enough as it is, and they are continuous. I would not like to see the implication go out. Uh, we have been talking with the Senate Minority Leader. Uh, we're sure he has enjoyed it as much as we have. I don't think so. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Friends and 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.